You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 400. That's right, 400. And I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Colin Gilbert is an early career software engineer who got his start as a Ruby on Rails engineer at Impact, a digital sales and marketing consultancy based out of Connecticut. When he's not programming, Colin can be found enjoying his lifelong passions of skateboarding, pre-COVID playing, or listening to music. It is so great to have you on here, Colin. Brittany, it's so great to be here in episode 400. I can't believe it. It's a big one. So congratulations and thank you. Thank you. I feel like this episode has been a long time coming. So this is really perfect timing that you're here for episode 400. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so grateful to be here. Well, Colin, what is your developer origin story? Yeah, so unlike probably most people, I did not start programming at a young age. In fact, I was in my early to mid-30s when I started growing up. I had so many friends that were into computers, and a lot of them now are programmers. But I would always just be hanging out with them, and they would be clacking away on the keys. I had no idea what they were doing. I kind of thought it was interesting, but never really asked them too many questions or anything about it. I just kind of sat and watched and hung out, listened to music. And when they would take breaks, there was a lot of people I played in bands with. So we would go jam and then they'd get back on the computer and maybe I'd even go skate, something like that. But later on, you know, I was just kind of looking for a new career path. I, I had been doing audio engineering for a couple of bands for a number of years. And I was just getting tired of doing that being gone on the weekends all the time and on the road a bunch. So I decided to go ahead and, you know, try my hand at programming. Went through a boot camp at Flatiron. That was like a 10-month program. And after that, I guess about three months later, I got my first job. But that came with a lot of hard work. As anyone who is active on Twitter or in the Ruby community, like Colin, you are a name that is certainly out there. So I want to talk about that journey, learning how to code and then finding that first job. Sure. In the boot camp. They taught us Ruby first, then we moved into Sinatra and Rails, and then we went into JavaScript and React. I knew almost immediately, right from the onset, like when we started doing Ruby, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to write Ruby. So after graduation, and when it came time to do the job search, I got a lot of pushback from a lot of the coaches and advisors there because they didn't see it, you know, as a possibility for one of their graduates to get a job writing Rails. I think most of the students that come out of there end up going to work at somewhere at Season React or something else. So I got a lot of pushback on uh, the fact that I was not going to budge and do something that would appease them so that they could get their money back from me to pay, you know, for the tuition. So I stuck to my guns, so to speak, and pushed through. And three months after graduation, and a lot of hard work, a lot of long days, a lot of long nights reading and just tinkering with the little side projects. Uh, about three months after graduation, I got my first job, which was at Impact. That's incredible. So I have to ask Colin, why did you not take the easy path and do what they tell you to do? And instead you fought hard to land a Rails role. What was it about Rails that you wanted to work in it so much? There was just a joy there, just a pure, immediate joy with writing Ruby. It was very straightforward and read very nice to me. And I was just like, this is great. You know, like I immediately felt a connection with it. And the reason why I wanted to stick you know, with it and see it through is because in my past, I've worked a lot of jobs that I wasn't 
content with. I would get bored with them very quick or there was no future there with it. And I didn't want to do that. You know, I knew if I was to switch, I was going to end up right back in another place doing something I hated. So for me, that was just never an option. I wanted this to be my career until I hopefully make it to retirement. So I wanted to ensure that it was going to be something that I was going to enjoy doing that whole time. That's amazing. I think it's so admirable to know what you love and that you fought for what you wanted. So looking back on it, Colin, what is the best piece of advice for junior developers that you learned along the way? Yeah, I think just a couple of things. I think the first piece is buried in the comments I just made. Like if you find something that you love and you recognize that immediately, stick with it. Don't let anyone else dissuade you from going with that. I think the other bit is put in some time and really learn some fundamentals. Like learn the core language itself really well. I think you'll find it would be very helpful. And I think ultimately the most, one of the most important things is make friends. And I don't mean go out and network. I mean, try and just get out there and make some really genuine friends in the community. I think that will go a long way for you. And that is basically your hint that you are also co-president of the Andrew Mason fan club, correct? Pretty much. We share the same seats there, I guess. I love it. So Colin, what's the origin of Florida Ruby? Yeah, Florida Ruby, that was started out of, again, like I was just looking to make friends. I was sitting at home by myself. Other than like the classmates I had when I was going through the boot camp that I stayed in touch with after graduation, it was just me in my room reading, tinkering away. And I wanted to kind of make friends and build a little community and do some things together. So I was looking around for meetups around me. There was only like one. I went to it one time and it was kind of lackluster. And so I just kind of took it upon myself to say, okay, a lot of things are going remote now. I can just start something from here. So that I ultimately decided like one late night, I said, I'm just going to do it. And I fired it up and started hosting some sessions and started out just kind of as a book club. And actually, to my astonishment, like the first one that I hosted, like a lot of people showed up. I definitely wasn't expecting that. So yeah, and there was some people in there that I still talk to today a bunch and people who I had no real idea who they were at first. That's how I met actually Gemma for the first time and Emily Drew as well. So they were some of the first wants to show up in the meetups there. That's so awesome. Gemma had mentioned to me that like during one week, she was just hopping from remote meetup to remote meetup. And in some ways, the pandemic was awful, but it also opened up the ability to get to know people in different areas. It wasn't so regional anymore. So I think that's fantastic that you started that. This episode is brought to you by Hook Relay from our friends at Honey Badger. Do you integrate your apps with third parties like Stripe, GitHub, Slack, or Trello? If you want quality webhooks, like Stripes, for example, there's more than just sending a JSON payload to your customer's URL and calling it a day, right? That's where Hook Relay comes in. Hook Relay is a service that makes sending and receiving webhooks reliable, secure, and transparent automatically. Users are amazed at the visibility they've gained in their webhooks. Without Hook Relay, you have no idea how many requests you're processing. With Hook Relay, you can watch your traffic, inspect each request, and much more. It's like x-ray vision. Of course, if your app or your integration partners are being flaky, 
You'll love the peace of mind that comes with knowing that no matter what happens, Hook Relay will make sure that your webhooks are delivered. Skip days of grunt work rolling your own webhook system and get reliable webhooks for your app in minutes, not days. Go to hookrelay.dev to get started and check webhooks off your to-do list. So, of course, I'm going to have to ask about Ruby Radar. How did that come to be and how is it growing so far? Yeah, this is another thing that kind of surprised me, too. So to start kind of at the beginning, this goes back to when I first met with Andrew Mason, the fan club that we all love and are a part of. He had put a tweet out on Twitter just offering to pair with juniors if you're willing to join him. He was willing to help you out. So at that time, I was working with Ruby for good a lot. And when I saw that, I was like, I got to take him up on this opportunity. Like, you don't see much of that out there. Like, people just freely giving away their time. So I did. I, I wrote him back and said, Hey, I'm actually working on the issue right now. I could put it on hold until you're available to pair up with me. And I think it was maybe a day or two later, we hopped on a call together and worked on it, submitted it, got merged in. And then kind of just kept in touch here and there after that. And then it was right, I guess, a month after I graduated Flatiron. Him and I started working on some projects for Bridgetown together. And then it all just kind of built into like what it is now, like our relationship now. Once I got my job at Impact, he kind of knew that I really didn't have a lot of time to continue doing the projects at the moment. So kind of transitioned that to more of a mentorship relationship. So him and I started meeting once a week. And then after that, we just became friends. And then he was like, hey, do you want, I've been wanting to do a newsletter. Like, do you want to do this with me? And I just said, yeah, this sounds great. Let's do it. So like, I think it was that week, we started working on the first issue. And maybe two days later, once we got kind of everything set up, and started pulling in some links and articles to things. And yeah, so we've been running that together ever since. And it's actually growing pretty well. I think we started out initially with about 400 email addresses. And I'll say Andrew kind of cheated a little bit. I'll call him out on that. But regardless, from that initial 400 that we're at, we're now, I think last I checked, somewhere around 860. So it's more than doubled. And we get pretty good open rates, it seems like. So... We don't really track anything, but we can kind of see that. But we've gotten great feedback on it from people in the community. So we're hoping to keep it going. I think it's awesome. I love getting it on Sunday. It feels like the perfect day to get it. I'm usually like right in the mood wanting to read something like that. And I just want to take the the time to personally thank you all. Every time I get featured because of this podcast, I always get really excited. And so I totally know that it's not a given. But anytime you feature the show, it feels really good. So I appreciate what you're doing out there. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I mean, thank you again for doing this podcast and giving us content to share with the rest of the community that maybe didn't know that the podcast episode came out. I think it's great. And I also appreciate the fact that you like it on Sundays. We kind of juggled with that one. And I was like, man, you know what? I think most people just the easy, casual Sundays. And I feel like you get up around 9, 10, 11 depending on your time zone, whenever it hits your inbox. Oh, okay, yeah, it's an easy Sunday. I can just sit down and read this casually. It won't take me too long. So, yeah, I'm glad to hear that you like the Sunday. I've had a couple other people tell me that too. I subscribe to the Changelog as well. So they really partner well together. 
So yeah, I'm definitely in favor of keeping it on Sunday. Now we've hinted about your role at Impact a couple of times, but I would love to dive more into, you know, what your first development role looked like and what kind of duties you were doing at that job. Sure. At Impact, I was one of three engineers. It was myself, Steve Guido, who you should also definitely get on the show. He's great. Very smart guy. And our manager, Morgan, it was just the three of us working on uh, the application. And then it was kind of a whirlwind. When I first joined, they were in the middle of a complete UI overhaul app-wide. So it was just a mad rush to get this thing finished because there's a lot of pages in that thing. It was a lot of work to be done. And then I guess about a month into when I came on, my good buddy, Steve, he went out on paternity leave. Congratulations again, Steve. And he was out for about two and a half months, I think. So it was just Morgan and I. We pushed through the UI, refreshed, got that out the door, and then picked up working on some features together. Steve came back. Morgan ended up leaving. So then it was just Steve and I. And then carried on like that for a few months. And at that point, Steve and I were just building features and making sure the app wasn't on fire. And thankfully, for the most part, we were successful. And then I guess it was about... October, November, Steve ended up leaving, getting a job at ThoughtBot, which I still to this day think that is a great opportunity for him and have never been happier for him. When like he told me that news, I was so stoked. So again, congrats to him on that. So then Steve left a few weeks later and then I flew solo until about middle of December, 2021. And that leads us to some exciting news. Now, I want to go on record that I got really lucky, but I happened to book Colin onto the podcast as this exciting news was happening. I'm so grateful that you're here to tell us all about it. So please share the recent change that has happened. So as I just mentioned, I left Impact the middle of December. And as of, let's see, Thursday, four days ago, I joined Chris Oliver working at GoRails and how it happened, I have no idea, but I am so incredibly thankful and so excited to be a part of that team. Amazing. So I do have to ask, how did it happen though, Colin? Because did he know that you were going to start looking for a role? Did you happen to know that GoRails was going to be hiring? Like, how did that situation happen? No to all of the above. When Steve was still at Impact with me, we had paired with Chris a couple of times, just in a little bit of free time that we had kind of hacked on a couple of things and he had hopped on a couple of calls months prior and just kind of gave us some advice a little bit here and there. And then, yeah, I mean, it just kind of happened out of the blue. Like there was no job posting about it. I think he probably knew that I was going to be leaving once the rest of my team had left. And I know in a couple of our pairing sessions, especially like one of the last ones where it was just Steve and I, he had kind of mentioned this is fun. This would be great if we could do it all the time. And I was like, oh yeah, it would be great. I didn't think anything of it at all. So then after Steve left, I had hopped on a call with Chris one or two more times, right before RubyConf actually. So he asked me what I was up to and I was like, yeah, getting the resume ready. RubyConf, man, I'm going to have to be on all cylinders there because I think I'm going to be definitely looking to get out of where I'm at now. And he was like, Oh, we should talk. And I was like, okay, I don't really know like what do you mean by that? But yeah, we should totally talk. We didn't talk until 
after I had come back from RubyCon. And he just kind of hit me up out of the blue and said, hey, you got a minute? And we hopped on a call. And he asked me if I wanted to join and if I'd be willing to. And I mean, yeah, of course, right? I mean, I think most people would probably be like, that's pretty much a no-brainer. Like, you're not going to get that opportunity very often. So if I was to turn that down, it may not ever come up again. And I just knew it's going to be a great place. I would love to help him out help out the rest of the community and like if i really want to grow and challenge myself what better place and what better opportunity so yeah it kind of the come full circle just kind of came out of the blue i couldn't agree more i mean i'm such a huge fan of chris and everything that he has built and it's really just such a wonderful arc for you colin because as someone who fought so hard as a junior developer to stay in rails to then turn around and work for a company that is openly trying to educate new ruby on rails developers it's really just the perfect arc. It almost sounds like a Netflix show, to be honest. It really does. It's funny you say that because I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, man. So one person in particular from the school wrote me this email that was very like spirit killing almost. And I was like, you know what? Nah, trashing that. I'm definitely doing this now. Like I'm going into it even harder. And like, if I could talk to her now and be like, hey, remember when you told me I couldn't do it? It wasn't going to happen. Check it out now. Look where this has ended up at this point. It's amazing. I still have to pinch myself. I still like can't believe it. This episode is sponsored by JetBrains RubyMine. RubyMine is an intelligent cross-platform IDE for Ruby and Rails developers that I absolutely adore using. For the month following this episode's release, you can go to jb.gg slash Ruby on Rails podcast for a 20% discount on a JetBrains IDE of your choosing and a chance to win a one-year personal subscription. That's jb.gg slash Ruby on Rails. Link is in the show notes. Well, Colin, let's get into the details of what your role will entail. So what products at GoRails are you going to be working on? Sure. Yeah, so I think eventually I'll be recording some screencasts, which excited about and nervous about for sure. And also working, adding more features to Jumpstart, more features to notice, working on the page M that Chris has put out. So really all of those things, anything that Chris kind of touches, I'll be a part of and helping push that project forward. That's awesome. I think screen recording is definitely an art. I'm very impressed with how Chris does it. So you're going to have to return on the show and give us some hints and tips as to how to be an effective screen recorder. Oh man, I'm going to have to spend some hours just like, staring in the mirror and trying to, you know, like practicing and stuff. So do you think that your habit of being out on Twitter and sharing in real time the things that you're learning, do you think that's prepared you well for this role? Yeah, definitely. And I think a big part of that too is like sharing whatever, no matter how small or silly it is. I think it just goes a long way because like, even if it's small and silly, like if you're having fun doing it, that's great. Enjoy it. I think that's one of the best parts about being a Ruby and a Rails programmer. It's fun. Yeah, there's some struggles. But yeah, like putting the little things out like that, getting feedback. You know, people who would reply back to me turn me on to things that I never knew. And I probably wouldn't have found out until way later, or maybe not at all, if I wouldn't have put whatever out there to the community out there. So I definitely think it has helped me grow. And even if they don't give me like a direct answer right away, or if it's something I don't understand, this gives me something that I can go dig into on my own. 
And then who knows what rabbit hole that'll lead you down from there. I've learned so much from just someone responding to some silly little thing. And then that sends me down a rabbit hole for two or three hours. That's great. Now, I have to ask Colin, does this mean that we are going to see the introduction of Colin to conference talks? Oh, man. I've wanted to for a long time. So, like, I don't know if anybody really knows this, but I definitely have a fear of public speaking. I'm usually cool if there's like four or five people. Maybe that's all that'll show up to the talk. And if so, that's right up my alley. But I do want to challenge myself to do a conference talk because I think that's another thing that has helped me get to where I am now is doing those things that absolutely terrify me. When I first responded to Andrew about that parent session, I was scared because I was like, man, remote Ruby, Andrew Mason, I'm going to be looking at him and a camera talking to him and I'm going to have to code in front of him. Kind of terrifying, but like push through those things and it's nothing but growth on the other hand. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, someone asked me the other day, they're like, how do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? And the big thing for me is I ebb and flow in terms of how confident and ambitious I feel. And so when I'm feeling good, and that tends to be early in the morning, I don't know if you're a morning person, Colin, but I am very ambitious in the morning. I tend to say yes to a lot of things. And then later I start to regret it, but I've already committed to it. So I need to do it. So how do you approach it? I'm exactly the same. I'm definitely firing more on all cylinders in the morning. I like to get up early. I usually get up 5.30, 6am. That's when I really feel like I'm on top of my game. Afternoon, start to get like just two, three o'clock yawns. And then if you say yes to anything in the morning and you start hitting those, those little lulls there, I definitely feel that too, where I'm like, oh no, but at five, I got to do this. I'm just like, I don't want to, but you know, you commit to something, you got to stand true to that. You have to show up to those things because otherwise, you know, you're, you're wasting someone else's time potentially, and that's not fair. Agreed. Now, one aspect that you mentioned that you'll be doing at GoRails is doing direct work on Jumpstart Pro, on Noticed, on Pay. How much experience do you have working in open source and managing issues, managing pull requests that are being open? I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, definitely nowhere close to probably the vast majority of the community, I would say, but I feel like I've absorbed a good amount just from the large chunk of time that I dedicated to working with Ruby for Good while I was in the bootcamp and post bootcamp. But there's a lot of projects over there and they're always super helpful. So I got walked through how they submit issues, how they assign those issues to people, how they review, how they merge those PRs in. So like, while I haven't been directly the one doing that a lot, I feel confident enough that I can manage myself, if that makes any sense. (laughs) It sure does. And honestly, you've nailed the first trait of open source, and that's kindness. Anybody who interacts with you, you are genuine and kind. And so as long as you maintain that, I think you're going to do great. And that leads me to one of my final questions, Colin. You are involved in so much. How do you do it all? Oh, man, I really don't know. Yeah, I try to just balance things like time box things. I definitely push myself at certain periods. It happens flows, and sometimes I, I do have the energy. I'm just like, yeah, let's go on all fronts, all buttons go. But there's definitely times where I have to back off for periods, a couple of weeks, a month, a couple of months. But I think it's just all balancing, listening to your body and your mind, and not 
going too far over the edge with questioning that. That is very sound advice. What are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities? Nothing but gold stars all the way. I think we're in a great period right now. I think with the you know latest releases of Ruby and Rails coming out, it feels like there's a huge swell coming. And I think everyone, you better get the boards out and have them waxed up and let's get a party wave. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I don't know what a party <laughs> wave is, but I want to be involved in it. So uh, sign me part, up. Part, I've, I've only surfed a few times, but a party wave is like whoever you're out there with. You all just catch the same wave at the same time and ride it in, which is normally frowned upon. Like if you drop in on somebody else's wave, that's usually like a no-no. But if it's all your friends out there, y'all can catch it together and all share the same wave. All right. Well, if listeners want to join you in a party wave, how can they follow you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter. I think it's just at Colin underscore Gilbert. And let's see, GitHub. Twitter is probably the best place. I'm on LinkedIn too. I really am not super active on there. Twitter, hands down, for sure, the best place. Amazing. Well, Colin, like I said earlier, this has been a long time coming. It's so great to have you on the show. And I am so stoked about your new role. I think you are absolutely going to kill it. And I'm just so incredibly grateful that you're in this community. Oh, thank you so much, Brittany. That really means a lot to me for having me here, for all that you do for the community. And congratulations on 400 episodes. That's amazing. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.